My name is Hunter Tan, and you're listening to the Legacy of Ministry podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the legacy left by my grandfather, Pastor David Tan, and his 55-year ministry. During that time, he took seriously the call to go into the world and make disciples. He traveled the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and pastor churches in Auburn, Washington and Missoula, Montana. He had a heart for God's word. These are his sermons. And while they may be 20 years old, I know that as you listen, you will find that the word he preached is still living and active. God has never, ever once failed us. But I say, oh God, there is much more that I need from you. I need God every single day, every single moment of every single day. We need more of God. Where am I going to get my values, the word or the world? If you build them on values from the word of God, they are eternal values. How many know they're going to last forever? This is David Tan's Legacy of Ministry. Things are always exciting. Um, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've ever lived in a big city and they were starting to build a skyscraper. Uh, they normally build a fence around the whole complex. And uh, where I grew up, I remember they used to have some little knot holes. They would make, have some holes so you could walk up and peek in there. You couldn't go in, but you could look down. And way down below, they're digging out the foundation, laying the foundation uh, for the building. And then you watch it rise up into one of those towering skyscrapers. Buildings have always fascinated me, watching people build, because... Uh, I'm kind of a klutz when it comes to building. I don't know anything about it. But aren't you glad that God didn't give everybody the same talent? I said, aren't you glad that God didn't? (laughs) Oh, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say that, no. But I'm glad that he, you know, all of us have different abilities and talents that he's given us. But I'm going to talk about beginnings, and they're always exciting. When a baby is born into a family, what excitement it brings. And, um, and when a child goes to school, the excitement of that first day at school. And you start a new job, and it's exciting to, to step into that new position. Well, if you saw the movie, The Passion of the Christ, Jesus was carrying the cross, badly beaten, and uh, just, just mangled. And every once in a while, he would fall down. And on one of the occasions, when he fell down, his mother came to him and she said, I'm here. And he looked at her and said, I make all things new. That's what the cross is all about. It's making all things new. 
Jesus changed the religious system with the rules and regulations where you had to sacrifice animals to atone for your sin to a new covenant where Jesus became the sacrifice once and for all, for all of our sin. Let me read it to you in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, the last part of verse 26, and through verse 28. He has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it is appointed for man to die once, but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Who are those who are eagerly awaiting him? I trust that it's most of us in this room. How many know that he's going to come back again? And as he redeemed us from our sins and saved us, now we, it says we are eagerly looking for the fact that he is going to come back again to receive us unto himself. Now why is this so important? Because it proves who Jesus is. And once again, I'm going to give you a verse that I've used two or three times. And as I begin this new series, I will use it again. Because Jesus is talking about himself. If you read the scriptures, if you watch the movie, and if you see our passion play in just a couple of weeks, it seems that Jesus is helpless. That is, there is nothing that he can do, but that is totally untrue because here's what he said about his life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. And this command I have received from my father. He said, I can lay my life down if I want to. I don't have to. He could have called for legions of angels to come to his assistance, but he chose not to do that. And he said, I can pick it up again, which he did when he was resurrected from the dead. He is the resurrection and the life. And that's why his death and resurrection are so important. So what difference does it make to you? What difference does that make to me today? What does it mean for me in the year 2004? Well, there's a verse in Colossians that says, that talks about Jesus and what his blood does for us. In Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. How many know what redemption is? Well, what it means, I, I, I looked up the dictionary, and here's one of the things it says. It is to release from blame or debt. He released us from our blame, from our sin, from all the things that we have done. He released us from that and set us free. Now, there are three things I want to talk to you about this morning. 
Three things that Jesus did for you when he died on the cross. Number one, you can be forgiven and start over again. How many are glad that God forgave you and gave you a new start? Amen. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. God wipes away your past, the guilt and the shame and everything that goes with it. And he wants to give you a second chance. He wants to give you a new beginning. And what Christ did on the cross means uh, that you can have a brand new start this morning if you haven't already done so. In Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. There we have that word redemption again. Uh, released from blame and from debt or guilt. We can be set free. In Romans chapter six, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many understand there is a price to be paid for your sin? I said, how many understand there's a price to be paid for your sin? Absolutely. And that's why Jesus died on the cross so that he could give you eternal life because the wages, you receive wages for your sin and that is eternal separation from God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Praise God. In Colossians chapter two, verse 14, it says he has canceled every record of the debt we owed. Christ has done away with it by nailing it to the cross. What does, what does that mean? Well, we talked about it a little bit last week. If you, if you cancel a check, how many know you don't need it anymore? It's no good, you can't reuse it. And when he canceled our sin, he buried it, he, he forgave it once and for all, and he offers you now a clear conscience. Listen, in Romans chapter eight, verse one, it says there is no condemnation awaiting those who belong to Christ. Isn't it wonderful to have no condemnation living? You don't have to be condemned any longer. You don't have to walk around with your guilt and with your shame. Regardless of who you are, what you've done, you matter to God. And he wants to set you free from your past. I'm sure that most of you heard the story of the lady who, um, whose husband died and she put on the tombstone, the light of my life has gone out. A few years later, she met another, young, another man and she married him. And somebody said to her, what are you gonna do about the tombstone? She said, I'm gonna change it and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on there, I struck a new match. How many know that's a new beginning? You start over again. So God wants you to be forgiven so that you can start over again. Sam 
shared his testimony with us, and we, we taped it. And Sam, why don't you stand up? And your wife, too, your lovely wife. Um, yeah. Thank you. About a year ago, they had a little baby, and when she was two weeks old, she passed away. And uh, they called me and asked me if I would come and do a f- the funeral service, which I did. And I want you to listen to Sam's testimony. Just watch it. John Perkins, and I started attending CLC last April with my family. For me, it really began around January of last year. I can remember I had so much going at that time. My family was doing great. I had a wonderful wife, a handsome son, a beautiful daughter, and to top it all off, a precious baby girl on the way. We had also just purchased our first house, and the previous year I had landed a great job right out of graduating from college and I worked with a lot of great people that I respected a lot and enjoyed working with. I can even remember telling my family and friends how great everything was going, what could go wrong. Then on March 20th, my daughter was born. I can still remember how it felt to see her for the first time. Small, angelic, just beautiful. She seemed perfectly healthy. We had her home for a total of five days before she started to get sick. The doctors ran every single test they could think of to try to find what was wrong. And it wasn't until two days before she died that they found the cause. It was a very rare metabolic disease called MSUD. This disease was so rare that they said only one in 180,000 births would have this disease. They said we had the choice to keep her alive or let her go. They said that she, they also said that she had almost no brain function left and if we chose to let her live, she most likely would never even open her eyes again. But to let her die, to let her go, to bury her, how could we do that as well? In the end, we made the decision that there had to be something out there for her that was better than what she faced living on with the help of modern medicine. That was our low point then. I guess we went through all the normal questions. Why? Why did it have to happen to us? Why her? Why? Throughout this whole ordeal, my wife's grandparents were here from out of town. And they stayed with us and they kept encouraging us to come to CLC. So we started to attend church with them. And we started looking for answers here at the church. It didn't take long listening to Pastor Ton up there preaching for me to understand exactly what I needed in my life. And that was Jesus, plain and simple. I had always believed on some level about Jesus and God, but I never put my faith first in my life. I had never attended, attended church regularly, never prayed daily, none, nothing. It all had to change. I needed Jesus in my life. Jesus was all the answer I needed to all of my questions. So then I did some things that I desperately needed to do for myself. I accepted Jesus in my heart and I was baptized. After that, I took a step backward to look at my current situation. It made me examine everything I knew to be true. And that truth was plain and simple, that my daughter was in the arms of Jesus. 
And only he knows the answers to all my why questions. Up there with him, she knows no more sickness, no more pain. She only knows happiness, healthiness, and the light of the Lord. <clears throat> Once I realized that, I felt better somewhat. I mean, I still grieved for her, but I knew she was okay. After that, I started looking back at all the things I had to be grateful for once again. And I realized I owed it all to Jesus and God. And I suddenly understood that all the time we had been crying for my daughter, Jesus was right there crying as well. He was there to hold us up when we couldn't take any more of the pain. He was there and with us through it all. Ever since I understood that, I started noticing every day in some way or another, he is still there with us. Throughout the whole year that has passed since, he has been there whenever I have needed him. Even now, sometimes I will get a yearning to hold my daughter again in my arms and just look deep into her eyes and hold her toe close to me and just love her with all my heart. At all those times, he is my rock to lean on. He is there. Thank God Jesus is there. Amen. Sam experienced what it means to be forgiven and to start over again. Not only that, but to lean on the Lord and know that he can take charge. Uh, he's also the Lord of their lives. So thank God you can start over again. Number two, he wants to set you free from worrying about your future. You know, we, uh, we are born worriers. Uh, we have a nation of worriers. We worry about our bills. We worry about our health. We worry about our careers. We worry about our children. We worry about worrying, and we worry about not worrying. We worry about what we eat, and uh, sometimes it's good for us, and then it's bad for us. I remember some time ago, they said not to drink coffee. It wasn't good, and then it wasn't much later. They said, drink coffee. It's good for you. But we worry about all the things that happen in our lives, and what worry does, what it means is a divided mind. It's a mental tug of war, pulling us in two directions. We worry about the future. Why is it that, that the Psychic Network is a multi-billion dollar organization? Because people want to know the future. What's going to happen to me? So they call this network and ask them, if they have answers for them. How many know that those answers mean absolutely nothing? Let me give you the solution. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. You want to know how to be worry-free, then cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. There's two kinds of casting. One, you can go out into the middle of the lake 
and you can take a big boulder out of your boat and drop it and it'll sink to the bottom and you'll never retrieve it again, it's gone. There's another kind of casting when you go fishing, you cast out the hook and you pull it back in and you cast it out. That's not the kind of casting God's talking about. But that's the kind of thing we do. We, we cast it out, we pull it back, we cast it out, we pull it back. But he said, I want you to learn to cast all your care upon me because I care for you. What's the secret to worry-free living? Recognize who you are in God. And then the Bible says in Philippians 4:13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My wife bought me a, a CD the other day. It was the Gaithers. How many uh, know who the Gaithers are? Shows how old you are when you raise your hand. <clears throat> but she bought me a CD of the Gaithers, and I was listening to it. And uh, I came across this song that I, I want you to listen to this morning. Now, teenagers and young people, you're going to have to bear with us. Um, but this is a wonderful song. It talks about how not to worry. And in fact, I have it uh, in my car. I, there's a little thing, you know, you press the minus button and it goes back to the song and you listen, you minus. Uh, so I listen to it pretty consistently. In fact, when I start my car, the first song that I'm going to hear when I leave here is this song. I want you to listen to it. And the words will be up there for you. I'm not going to speculate or contemplate what hasn't happened yet. I'm not going to worry. He's got the whole thing in his hand. I won't let it haunt me. I won't let it win. I'm not going to ruminate or meditate on how it might have been. I'm He's got the whole thing in his hands Maybe lately I've started to resign So here it goes, God only knows It might just ease my mind I'm not gonna worry I'm not gonna fret I'm just gonna wait and see So here it goes, God only knows It might just ease my 
mind I'm not gonna worry I'm not gonna fret I'm not gonna speculate or contemplate what hasn't happened yet I'm not gonna worry He's got the whole thing in His hand He's got the whole thing in His hand He's got the whole thing in His hand He's got it. It's all in his hands. There's a verse that tells us that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And then the next verse says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Give it over to him and let him handle it. You know, this past week, um, our little grandson, Logan, once again had some stomach pains, and we didn't know what the problem was, so Jason and Shannon took him to the doctor. <clears throat> she did an x-ray, and then she said we need to bring him back on Friday for um, a barium enema so that they could find out really what the problem was, if it was the same problem we had before. And, um, and we, were, we were a little concerned, obviously. And uh, we were praying for him. We prayed for him on Thursday night. Uh, and then we laid hands on him on Thursday night and prayed for him. And then um, on Friday morning, we went to the hospital. And before we left, and when we got there, my wife, Bev, said, we're going to expect God's favor. We're not going to be defeated. We're going to expect God's favor. And uh, we prayed that way, and, and we, we, we tried not to fret about it, because I thought about it. You know, I, we could have all worried ourselves sick, and it wouldn't have changed one thing. It wouldn't have changed him. And that's what the, this verse says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We did that. I had to come for a funeral. Rose Kapisky's funeral was on Friday at 11 o'clock. And I came back to the church, and just before I came um, to go into the funeral and, and preach the message, my wife called me from the hospital, and she said, we just got the word that everything is good. There's not a problem. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That um, Logan is fine. And uh, the doctor said, not to worry. Everything's going to be great. Amen? Well, you see, that's what we can do. We can give, we can give our worries to him. You can be set free from worrying about the future. Number three, Jesus can give you, uh, or Jesus can set you free from having to earn your way to heaven. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Christ has set us free from following 
the world's idea of how to be saved by doing good and obeying various rules. That's the world's idea. If, if, if you went downtown this morning and you asked somebody or anyone on the street, are you going to heaven? I would almost guarantee that their answer would be something like this, I hope so. And if you asked a follow-up question and said, on what do you base your hope? they would probably say something like, I try to be good and do good. That's the world's idea. God says that's a wrong answer. You don't earn your way into heaven. It's not by keeping rules and regulations. It's not by doing your best. That's not the way. No, you, you get to heaven not by obeying rules, but you, you, or regulations, or, or having certain religious activities. But the Bible tells us that we get to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. When he suffered and died, and he said, it is finished, salvation was complete, and now, thank God, we can come into his presence. And we can say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. We've all said that. And he forgives us. You know, uh, you've heard this verse many times, but in John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he tells them that he's going to heaven. Or he said, I'm, I'm gonna go, but where I go, you can't come right now, but you know the way. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way, friend. If you're here, if you're visiting with us today, and you have come because you have questions about the passion, or you have come today because you don't really know what this is all about, the Bible clearly tells us that there's only one way to God, and that is through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Let me remind you again of the verse I read earlier. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift that God gives you this morning because heaven is a perfect place. Thank God it is. How many know that this world is far from perfect? But heaven is a perfect place, and because of that, you can't get there on your own. You need help, and Jesus said, he is that help. Romans chapter four, verse four says, if a person could earn it, that is their way to heaven, if they could earn salvation by being good, then it wouldn't be free, but it is. It is a free gift that God gives you. I need to ask you a question this morning. Will your name be written in the Lamb's book of life? Is it there? When Jesus comes and the book is opened, will your name be found there? You know, I, I talked to a lifeguard one time and, 
And we're talking about how to save somebody that's drowning. And I'm not a swimmer. I can swim a little bit. But I certainly couldn't save somebody that's drowning. And he said to me, you know, the, as long as they're flailing around and, 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 and kicking around and making all kinds of, of noise, he said, just stay away from them. Because you can't save somebody that's trying to save themselves. But he said, as soon as they quit fighting, it's easy to grab them and take them into safety. And I want to tell you this. As long as you're trying to save yourself, God can't save you. But when you decide you can't do it on your own, and you come to him and say, Lord, I really believe that you are who you said you are, and I really believe that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I really believe that you are the only way to God, and I accept that, I believe that, and I receive it right now. I confess my sin. Then the Bible says you can be forgiven. Here are the benefits. Number one, I can live guilt-free because my past has been forgiven. Number two, I can live worry-free because he tells me that he will look after me. And number three, I can live without trying to earn my way into heaven. That's the good news about the passion. You can have a brand new start. The three benefits are summed up in one word, and that word is salvation. Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. How do you get that gift? What do you have to do? You have to say, God, I don't, I can't do it on my own. I realize that. It's not religion. It doesn't matter. If you belong to every church in this town, that ain't going to save you. I'm tired of trying to be perfect and not succeeding. I want you to come into my life and forgive me of my past and give me a new start. It was 210 on a muggy July afternoon in Tacoma, Washington. Mike Kenyon sat on his orange easy chair and stared at the muzzle of a semi-automatic pistol. The alcohol, the drugs, the lies, the infidelities were just too much he couldn't handle it any longer. He wanted to end it all and stop the pain and stop the emptiness. He pulled back on the four-pound trigger. And then, not really knowing why, he put the gun down and turned on his television set. He began flipping through the channels. And he stopped when he heard the voice of Greg Laurie who is preaching to thousands of men in Anaheim Stadium promise keepers. 
he told Greg later that it was just like I was talking to him. He listened as I told the Anaheim crowd that I knew the emptiness. I could recall how lonely and painful my own life had been. I could offer a solution to all that hurt, loneliness and guilt and emptiness. And that day, Mike Kenyon found out what he was looking for. He didn't kill himself. He found that Jesus Christ still is the solution. You heard it from Sam earlier. You've heard it from other people. And I have discovered that this is not an isolated case. This world is desperately trying to find the answer to life. And if you're here today and you're looking for that answer, his name is Jesus Christ. And he will give you peace if you ask him to. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness to us, for your wonderful grace. Speak to our hearts. And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment, I wonder how many there are in this room who by the upraised hand would say, Pastor, I've come to church today and, and, and I don't have the peace of God in my life. I thought I did. I thought I had all the answers, but I discovered I really don't. Would you please remember me in your closing prayer? Today, I would like to give my life to Jesus Christ so that I could walk out of here with peace. Help me never to forget all the wonderful things that you've done in my life. 